This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The RRSP contribution deadline is in a few weeks. You might be tempted to top up your contribution to get an extra sweet tax return in the spring. Some investors consider using RRSP loans to create some extra savings now and a bigger return later. It's worth a broader discussion. Aaron Broverman is the lead editor at Forbes Advisor Canada. Hey, good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Dave. Happy to uh, talk about this topic with you with the uh, deadline fast approaching on the 29th. Yes, sir. Looking forward to that. But you're also wearing a Vancouver Canucks t-shirt or a sweater today. So at the end of the conversation, I'm going to pick your brain about the Canucks because I think you're showing a little bit of pride here. But let's start with money. Everyone's economic situation is unique. That is an understatement. Who do you think could benefit from an RRSP loan? All right, so this is like a smaller pool, obviously, because it is a loan. But I would say if you're a seasonal worker and maybe you're not working right now, but you know you're going to get money later, that would be the type of person. Also, somebody who is in a higher tax bracket now and uh, isn't going to be there for long. Maybe they know that their job is at an end and they want to take advantage of uh, the higher contribution that the loan would provide as long as they're in the higher tax bracket. Those are probably the only two situations that I would say it's it's appropriate to consider an RRSP loan, especially in uh, the interest rate environment that we are currently experiencing. Mm. I imagine the interest rate side of this conversation is an important one. That should be one of the things that should give somebody pause because the practice has been around for quite some time. And that's a lot easier when that loan is at, say, 1.52 or 2.5% versus 5, 6, 7% these days. Exactly, Dave. Like, ideally, you want to consider an RRSP loan when interest rates are lower. But now with the prime rate at 7.2%, you're looking at uh, possibly paying up to 8% interest on your loan. And of course, I'm, I'm going to bottom line you for a second, but you shouldn't be taking on uh, loans that you can't pay back. It's sort of a stone cold said so kind of thing, because <laughs> that's the bottom line. Uh, Aaron, I, I know that for years there are certain financial companies that have grown in popularity in Canada offering uh, people to utilize an RRSP loan as a debt consolidation. Like, let's say they were stuck in sort of a credit card debt scenario, that they would use the RRSP loan to top up the contribution, get the bigger tax return, consolidate the loan, and pay some of it off with the return. But again, it just goes back to this interest rate thing. Like you said, the bottom line is you can't make those dollars make sense if the actual interest you're paying on the loan is not so much significantly lower than the debt you've already accrued. Exactly, exactly. And you better be using your return that you do get for that bigger contribution to pay back uh, the loan. Because if you're, you know, willy-nilly sort of uh, 
partying because you think you got extra money, you're going to be in trouble when it comes to uh, paying back this loan. Aaron, it's worth zooming out a little bit here because there are a lot of social media financial influencers who have some interesting things to say, occasionally some useful things to say, but every now and then uh, they get on these bugaboos. And there are a few folks who have been openly trashing the RRSP as an investment account, talking a lot about the tax implications, the multiple taxation on dollars. I'm one of these people who understands that the RSP is not some magic wand that you wave that ultimately creates uh, you into a situation of utter uh, wealth. But I do think it's part of a well-balanced financial diet. What do you think of the RSP as an overall account, maybe in the broader context of the uh, options available to the average Canadian investor? I mean, you have to understand the basic concept of the fact that it's uh, tax-deferred. Right, it's not like your TFSA, which is completely tax-free. A tax-deferred means that you're paying taxes on withdrawals, even though you're not paying taxes on your contributions. So you have to know that uh, if you do early withdrawal and you you take that penalty or something, or uh, or you even withdraw in your retirement, even though you're going to hopefully be in a lower tax bracket at that point and paying less taxes, you will be paying taxes on on those withdrawals. So it's it's tax deferred, not tax free. Still, though, I think it's a good thing to have it's one of the unique things that that our government has to save for your retirement so uh you know i i would i would try to to open an rsp but maybe also you get a really good uh, retirement uh, plan from work but you have to consider am i going to be at this job forever because if you leave that job you know that that retirement plan sort of thing uh, can go away um, depending on uh, your specific work situation. So RSP is good. It's it's always there. It's just another avenue. So if you can contribute, uh, you should. It, it, it goes back to the idea of well-balanced and unique. Everyone's in their own unique situation. Uh, when you're talking about, uh, you know, contribution limits of up to $7,000 a year in the, the tax-free savings account now, you know, I, I understand the temptation of why perhaps the RRSP becomes the uh, forgotten child in the family because the TFSA, much like the Registered Disability Savings Plan for individuals who are eligible for the disability tax credit, you know, there's a menu available to people, but it doesn't mean that something is outright bad just because there might be relatively better options available for someone. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would say if you have a disability, I would go with the RDSP over the RRSP just because of the government matching and, and the contributions and, and and that sort of thing. Like, that should be your primary investment vehicle for your retirement. But if you need another avenue or you don't qualify for the RDSP because you can't get the disability tax credit for some reason, uh, the RRSP is there for you in conjunction with uh, the TFSA. But they all have limits, so it's nice to have uh, these different pools that you can draw from. 
yeah, if anything, it's kind of cool. And it's one of the reminders about the importance of financial literacy. Okay, Aaron, let's uh, pivot to sports real quick here. You're rocking your Vancouver Canucks sweater. I imagine this might have something to do with the Canucks on an East Coast trip, uh, pounding away at the Carolina Hurricanes the other night, the newly the newly acquisition of Elias Lindholm, second-line center from the Calgary Flames. I feel like there's optimism written all over your chest right now. There is some optimism. As you know, I'm originally from Vancouver. I, I'm a person who can't really believe uh, the turnaround that we're experiencing after the Canucks have been in the basement uh, for the longest time last season, people were saying, you know, sell the team, that sort of thing. Plus uh, I'm going to be in Vancouver in the next few weeks and I might have an opportunity to attend an open practice. So oh, I'm finally very jazzed about uh, the Canucks chances. I mean, I think I was watching a commercial and they said the upcoming uh, matchup between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks could be a Stanley Cup preview. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so that's that's some optimism coming from <laughs> the uh, Sportsnet broadcasters, <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> that might be too much optimism. That might be overly optimistic, but we'll take it nonetheless. Hey, Aaron, thank you for this, sir. Have a great day. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> That's Aaron Broverman, lead editor at Forbes Advisor Canada. In one minute, Laura Bain's entertainment report will feature a new television show that might get your hands a little bit dirty. But first, astronomers have found evidence of an ocean on one of Saturn's moons. Ben Thomas has more in Tech Trends. The moon looks a lot like the Death Star from Star Wars, thanks to one of the largest impact craters of any moon in the solar system. It's called Mimas. It has an icy exterior, and a French-led team analyzing changes in its orbit and rotation have concluded the frozen crust likely hides an ocean only 5 to 15 million years old. They based their findings on observations by NASA's Cassini spacecraft, which observed Saturn and its more than 140 moons for more than a decade before burning up in the ringed planet's atmosphere in 2017. The findings open up the possibility of water and life at seemingly sterile moons, a potential habitable world, according to one of the study's co-authors. Results were published in the journal Nature. I'm Ben Thomas. Ah, thank you, Ben. I love space. I just love space. I love hearing stories about space, except the asteroids that were headed towards us last week. That I didn't like. I didn't like that story, but they passed by. We made it. So, you know, we're all good. Living another day. Let's turn to Laura Bain for the Entertainment Report. Laura Bain, there's a new reality show coming to CBC that might get folks' hands a little bit dirty. That's right. The Great Canadian Pottery Throwdown premieres oh tonight God. on CBC. <laughs> so if you're familiar with the Great Canadian Baking Show, it kind of shares some similarities with that, including that it's modeled after a British version of the show. Um, but basically, instead of bakers, it brings potters from across the country together to compete in various pottery-related challenges. Now, you know, this is a, a bit surprising to me. The show is executive produced by Seth Rogen, who is apparently pretty into pottery and also <laughs> makes appearances throughout the show, including like very mild spoiler in tonight's episode where he's going to show off a bong that he made in the shape of Vancouver's <laughs> mountains. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. <laughs> Um, but the actual host is Jennifer Robertson, who some might remember or recognize as Josh Jocelyn Shit from Shit's Creek. <laughs> I think she's going to be great at hosting that. Um, 
so you know dave pottery i don't know if you know this pottery is actually having a little bit of a moment right now <laughs> and ceramics influencer on social media is a thing and I, you know, this morning, I, I don't like TikTok. I've been, I've said that just yesterday, I think. I went on TikTok to have a look. There are hashtag pottery, hashtag ceramics videos out there with hundreds of thousands of views. Um, and apparently even Drake recently tried out a pottery class. But some of the sort of speculation on why this is popular right now is that people are looking for a break from technology. You know, you can't really touch your phone when you've got that pottery all over your hands. And it's a good way for people to connect with the earth, you know, touching the clay. And uh, also you come away with something that you can use that's practical, you know, like a coffee mug or a bong in Seth Rogen's case. <laughs> Uh, I was actually. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. I just, I just, on on pottery and on the idea of of hobbies and pottery having a moment. It it's very interesting that there are all these skills that are forming community through technology that allows you mm -hmm. to operate outside technology and then maybe bring it back to social defines community. My mother got really into quilting and sewing during the pandemic, and she has now built a wonderful community and network around her through sewing and quilting. And it's just cool, right? Like pottery, sewing, these, these are actual skills that kept civilization going for thousands of years. Yeah, absolutely. And I personally just think it's kind of the best use of these sort of tools like social media. But, you know, I was into ceramics way back before it was cool. Actually, in high school, we got to do a career day and shadow like a stranger, anyone we wanted. And I shadowed a, cer a ceramics artist. <laughs> uh, and I also took a pottery class, which was 17-year-old me and a bunch of middle-aged women. So maybe it's time for me to get back into it. But this show is also reflecting a trend in reality. TV and towards what's called gentle entertainment. So this is low stakes competition, lots of positivity and humor, not too much dramatic uh, dramatic tension. So basically the opposite of Squid Game, gentle entertainment. Um, and producers of the great Canadian pottery throwdown say they hope that the show will be driven by a sense of being happily stressed out. Um, I'm, I'm here for this, Dave. I watch TV mostly just to unwind and de-stress from the day. I love competition shows where contestants like help each other out and stuff. But what about you? You said you're trying to bring a little bit more levity into your consumption lately. What do you think about the gentle entertainment genre? I, I had never heard of that expression until you forwarded along this morning, but I think it really hits the nail on the head, especially in the reality side or competition side of television programming right now. Everything is just so negative and yelling and screaming and drama that's, that's really kind of manufactured, whereas this just seems like something that you can enjoy. It's, it's like the Canadian Bake Off show, right? There, there's a competition component involved. People are criticized when they fall short, but they also just have a lovely time doing it, and it's really easy to watch. There is room to be pressured and stressed with what you watched, and there's room for just stuff that makes you feel good as well. And because of the practicality of this, because this might actually help somebody develop a hobby or a skill that they can put forward in their life. I'm just all about this, Laura. You're not going to find me objecting to gentle <laughs> entertainment this morning. And I feel like it's going to be better on my diet, perhaps, than watching the Great Canadian Baking Show, which basically <laughs> always makes me want to eat cake. Uh, but yeah, folks, 
can check this out 8 p.m. Eastern on CBC TV. And I checked, and episode one is actually available right now to stream on Gem. If anyone wants to go jump on it right after uh, they finish watching now. Yeah, don't you dare stop watching now with Dave Brown for the Pottery Show. Do that later. Do that later. You know, there's Access Tech Live at noon. There's Kelly and Ramya at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Maybe after you've consumed that. Maybe after you've watched this and the repeat of now with Dave Brown is on. You can go watch that on Gem. But please, you know, leave leave the channel streaming. Give, give, give us those ratings anyway. You know, it's same thing with the podcast, folks. Even if you just download and don't listen, I'll still be your friends. Laura, thank you for this. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. That's Laura Bain at the Entertainment Desk. Laura will be back tomorrow to talk all about the entertainment components around the Super Bowl. In fact, from about 10 a.m. Eastern Time to about 10.35 to 10.40 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow, it's going to be a whole lot of Super Bowl talk. We'll do some of the game stuff with Brock and Alex. We'll do some of the entertainment stuff with Laura. We'll talk commercials. We'll do a couple prop bets. We'll just get a general sense of the cultural phenomenon and touchstone that is the Super Bowl between 10 and 10.40 tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. The preparation has already begun. Coming up after the break, it's the regional news update. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.